Take a look back at last episode when a certain host of a podcast called The Pitch said, if a certain team wins their games during this festive period, they will be title contenders. We will highlight all of that and more during this another soccer-specific episode of The Pitch. Numero cinco, episode number five of The Pitch. Let's get it started. Ah! It was a rather subtle intro, but welcome to episode number five, numero cinco of The Pitch. Your boy, Michael Kirsten, that is Michael, with the Y, is back hosting this episode. It is a new year. It is 2021. And I hope all of you listeners out there had a happy and healthy holiday time and new year while staying healthy, masking up all that jazz. My last episode of The Pitch to get back on, on terms is was a festive period preview. Well, now it's all done and over with. Let's wrap her on up. That's what we're going to do today. We're wrapping up the festive period. We are staying soccer specific for this episode. I promise you, baseball fans, we will be having baseball back on the pitch my next episode. Of course, there has been a lot happening in the baseball world in terms of trades and things like that, but there's just a bit more action in games in the soccer season. So we are staying soccer specific for this episode and we will go back to baseball next episode. So I had a few bold predictions the last time in my last episode. I hinted at one in the intro. I said if there was a certain team, I said this in my hot take in my last episode, there's a certain team that could win their games over this festive period, they would throw themselves in the title conversation. I said it was a team that is not getting enough respect compared to another team. That team is Manchester United. I said that Manchester United were not getting enough respect next to teams like Chelsea, next to teams like Spurs, all of that jazz. I'll tell you that Manchester United did not lose a single one of the five games over the festive period. They only dropped two points. They won four of their five games. They now currently sit level with Liverpool at the top of the table with one less game played. So there's your hot take for you. I did say it. I still firmly believe it that now, as if it wasn't, as if I didn't say it convincingly enough to you before, that not only are Manchester United 100% better than Chelsea at the moment, They have been title contenders from the beginning. They have not lost a game since November 1st. It's now two and a half months since they have lost their last game. They have only drawn twice. The rest they've won. Taking advantage of other teams slipping up. Chelsea, for instance. They hadn't lost a game in their last 17 matches in all competitions before their loss against Everton. That's fine. That's okay, said Frank. 17 game unbeaten run. It's a good run. It was bound to happen, right? I agree. Five games later, Chelsea have now lost three of their last five. They have only won one of those. They've lost four of their last six. And they have slipped all the way down to ninth place in the table. 
Their main their main contributors have been non-existent. Hakeem Ziyech being injured, and I said that in the last episode that Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, their huge their huge summer signings, had been just had not been working for them. Same thing here. Same thing in these five games over the festive period. They lose to Wolves. Then they win against West Ham. It looked like that they may have been back, but then their next game against Arsenal, boy, it's a 3-1 loss to Arsenal. And then there was just nothing out. There didn't seem to be anything in the tank against Villa. And then against Manchester City is the tipping point. It's just now it's just becoming men against boys. And now... Frank Lampard is having questions raised against him. I didn't think that it was going to, I thought that it was going to take a little bit shorter. I didn't think it was going to take this long. I thought after the loss to Wolves, where there was no fight in it at the end, and they just let the game go from them, that there would have been questions. But even after the Arsenal loss, there weren't too many questions, but it was men against boys. And now Manchester City has also played two less games than Liverpool, one less than their inner city, than their city rival, cross city rival, Manchester United. They're sitting on 29 points. One win from those two gets them level, gets them level with Leicester in third and only a point below Liverpool and United. Manchester City are never out of the title race themselves, but Manchester United mainly. My point about them is that I said it in my last pod before the before the Christmas time. It was, I believe, on the 23rd I released that, that if they could win their games over the festive period, which they absolutely have, they, they have launched themselves into, into the title race. Meanwhile, Chelsea, I said it, they were not title contenders, but I didn't think they were this season, and it's, it's really showing through now. I thought their depth would definitely have come in handy, but there was nothing. As for those boys on Chelsea, Christian Pulisic was maybe one of the only consistent players day in, day out. I mean, he put in shifts, did Pulisic. He looked like the only person who actually wanted to try and create something, as well as young Callum Hudson-Odoi, who didn't get too many starts. I thought he should have started more. Boy, Hudson-Odoi is looking like a talent. So Chelsea went from fourth to ninth. Those guys that I mentioned who used to be level with Liverpool were Spurs. Spurs lost back-to-back games. They only won one of their last five themselves. As it was a clash between the the top three sides two weeks in a row for, for Spurs. They lost to Liverpool, which was all right. Then they had then they went back to back against Leicester. Just four days later, and they lost to Leicester. And then the draw against Wolves on the 27th, my birthday, doesn't really help them either. They're back on track now with a a win against Leeds in their last match. But Spurs have kind of done their title hopes a number as well. I mean, they're still definitely in it. They have also played a game less than Liverpool and Leicester. So a win for Spurs in their game in hand, whenever that may be, will bring would bring them level with Leicester. But right now, if Chelsea don't put their foot on the gas, I mean, they're sitting almost, they're sitting right, they're treading right on the, 
the top and the bottom half. I mean, they're level with West Ham, who sit who sit in 10th only on goal difference. And then Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal have, on the other hand, compared to Chelsea, have sprung to life. That win against Chelsea seems to have done their, their confidence a number, but in a good way. They have won all of their last three. They've won before... Before that game, they hadn't won in quite some time, but now they took on Chelsea, beat them, and then they've won their last match. They won two matches ago against Brighton and then drubbed West Ham at the Hawthorns. Again, it just takes one game, one goal, and suddenly the season gets turned on its head. But it's a shame to have seen Chelsea in such a promising position, even when Frank didn't even think of them as title contenders, say, no, we're not. And then all of a sudden, they've now lost four of their last six games. So Manchester United scored 14 goals in five games. I mentioned in the last podcast that that there isn't enough collective respect for them. They want to just throw all the blame on somebody whenever they lose. He's Manchester United's captain. He's England's captain. Harry Maguire always getting the blame, but it's all gone now. They don't want to praise him either. So I, I think that's a real shame that the media doesn't want to praise him for the work he's done. Finished this, finished their last five games with a plus seven goal difference. They scored six against Leeds. And lowly, lowly Sheffield United sinking themselves even deeper. They, sco- they conceded in all five of their matches during this festive period. Though I'm, st- I'm still not convinced about them. Believe it or not, they're only sitting at two points. They are off to the worst start in English. I think it's English top flight history. I just, I feel like I refuse to, to believe it because of their success last year. But, I mean, it really does look like it's it's looking bleak from this point out. But this is as competitive a season at the top as we have ever seen. As we see um, one of the, the few, few big-time results being the last one for Liverpool. They lost it to Ralph Hassenhuttle and Southampton, who currently sit in sixth place. I would would have thought they would have been closer to the relegation battle than the top four. I mean, they are sitting level with Spurs and Manchester City right now. Spurs, Manchester City, and Everton, actually. All of which have played, all of those teams have actually played one or two less games than Southampton. But they are, they're showing that they are, that they are here for the ride. So it's a good, it's good to see Hassan Huddle, who actually raised Timo Werner at, at Leipzig propel this team into a, into an underdog story. Brendan Rodgers has done great with Leicester. Haven't they've won two and drawn two of their last five. It's a seismic clash between United and Leicester that finished 2-2 at Old Trafford. But just looking at my boys Chelsea, it's just what had what seemed to be so promising. Just seems to be just going all wrong now, isn't it? But today was there's no club soccer this weekend. They're playing in the FA Cup in England. As Kai and Timo actually both scored today. Kai assisted as well. So did Hakeem Ziyech. 
He is back from injury. Seems that's a that's the main thing is that they're they're as I said in the last episode, they're lacking a player Chelsea are that gives them what Bruno Fernandez gives to Manchester United. I'm thinking it's Hakeem Ziyech. It looks like they are they are relying on him too much because now I mean it is against inferior opposition in a in a maybe fifth or sixth division team in more can be or more combi. I personally, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Hakeem came on assisted. You could see you, you watch it in his play. He oozes confidence does Hakeem. And when he exudes that confidence, it's, it's, um, it's contagious. He has not been in this side. He's had too many injury issues to have had a consistent run in the side. But when he is in this side, it's two, it's two different teams. Just, it's free-flowing. It's runs. It's creativity. It is a shame that he's, only, he's already 28 years old as opposed to, to Timo, who's 24, 25. Kai is 21. So it, it's a shame that, that it's that they seem to have been relying on somebody who hasn't had a consistent run in the side. It would be interesting to see what would happen to United if Bruno got hurt and see how they could, how they would, um, how they would replace him. I mean, right now it seems impossible because he is just an absolute revelation. But to see a guy who's, uh, we've only seen flashes of Ziyech, and he, we've seen what he has done for this team. To see that he has been out for longer and to see the results have just been faltering without him is a little scary. That's all I'm saying. Now, Everton have also won four of their last five. They lost against West Ham their last time out, which is their only loss in their last five. As I mentioned, they have played a game less. They're sitting in seventh place level with Spurs, City, and Southampton. Having played a game less than Southampton and a game more than Manchester City. As I said, Arsenal has also picked their form up, and it's it's definitely this table is looking way more different. And we all thought that this is going to be a pretty competitive season with the games coming in thick and fast, as they had been already. And then the festive period just adds to that even more so. I mean, even just looking at the table, I mean, it's going to be tough to to find the consistency in Chelsea and the inconsistency in teams like Spurs, like City, like Leicester. But Chelsea are only six points off third place. They've got the quality. Now it's just about finding the confidence. Chelsea next weekend go out against Fulham who are sitting in the bottom three. You saw in the Arsenal game that Chelsea underestimated Arsenal who are by, who by the way, are only three points off Chelsea at this stage. In the games that Arsenal has won, they won all their last three. Chelsea lost, tied, and lost their corresponding fixtures. That's crazy to think about, that they were maybe, what, seven, eight, nine points behind Chelsea were Arsenal? They're now three points behind Chelsea. 
just this this year it's showing that everything it's it's a different year this year but this is the most competitive league in the world it's that simple but now if chelsea do the same thing and underestimate fulham and lose to their west london rivals it's going to be an entirely different story because they're just it's it's no disrespect to fulham but they they really don't match arsenal in terms of quality with the bumiang and lacazette lead in the line they don't have that but now it's it's west london too it's not just a london derby this is a west london derby against a team that chelsea knows is superior to they just can't be doing the same thing is all but now it's about finding the finding the consistency in the players as well as i said Timo and Kai both scored. Kai also assisted in today's game in the FA Cup. Could this be the turning point? Or if it's not, could this be a, mean a spell on the bench, especially for Timo? Because Giroud and Tammy have been perfor- performing more time more often than they have not been. Polisic and Hudson Adoy should be the starters right now for those for the boys in blue. But Frank is rotating the squad. You can't blame him for it either with fixtures, as I said, coming thick and fast. Why not? But they've got to find the consistency in them because we knew that Liverpool was going to be the front runners this season. Even with as much injury problems as they have had, they are still finding ways to sit at the top. So nobody should have excuses for that. Maybe not everyone believed it, but I believe that Manchester United were in the title race. Under Brendan Rodgers, Leicester are doing great things. Finding some consistency. Spurs and Manchester City round out the top five. If not now for Chelsea, then it's never. It's that simple. They've got to find... Frank has to fight. He, he, we know that he fancies the informed guy because when Tammy's not scoring, he immediately throws Giroud in there. Doesn't really like to switch the midfield up much. But Pulisic has been, has been the man in form. Hudson Adoy, even though there was a disappointing result against Manchester City, he poked one in there in the last minute. It's good to see that Chelsea are sticking around, not just not completely giving up. Young Hudson Adoy has scored one at the end. So, and he's been making, he hasn't even gotten many touches on the ball in the games that he's featured in. When he's on the ball, he looks great. He looks confident. Looks bright. So, right now, you would think that Polisic and Hudson Adoy would be the starters up front. Now it's just about who's playing striker because, because Tammy and Giroud are two completely different players from Timo. So, it depends on what you want out of your side. Now, if Frank wants to experiment in this game against Fulham, they'll lose it. I don't think putting Timo at his natural position, which is a number nine role in between Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic on the wings, I don't think that's experimenting. It's just get about getting the most out of Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi in case Timo doesn't show up because now you don't know what you're going to get from him, which is a problem. His consistency has been the problem. If Frank could bank on the fact 
that Pulisic and Hudson Adoy, maybe players from the midfield like Mason. Mason Mount has looked unbelievable this season. If Mateo Kovacic could play as well, if one of those guys could score, then maybe he could put Timo at the top. They looked great, as I've said a million times, Hudson Adoy and Pulisic have. But they're not looking to get off the wings. They're looking to stay on the wings and put the ball in. They're not coming off the wings looking to score. At least Pulisic isn't. At least now. If he could, if he could know that one of those three guys, either Pulisic, Hudson Adoy, or Mason, I'm going to say Mason in this case because he's been their cons- most consistent performer this season. If he knew one of those three guys could score, then maybe he could put Timo up there. But I just don't think it's um it's a valid enough risk. If Chelsea are winning by two goals at ha- at the half against Fulham, and ta- and if Timo doesn't start, that's when you bring Timo on. It's been the decision making for Frank that has also raised questions about him. It is a shame though because everybody's saying that Frank is this is this young manager. He's a, Frank is a great manager. He plays for his team. He is. Has some of the most, he has the most appearances for this team, the most goals for this team. This is the, this is what you want in a manager. Exactly what Frank Lampard brings. He is young. He is vibrant. He connects with these younger players because he is a younger manager. Carlo Ancelotti in this team, he wouldn't fit. He's older. He plays a different style of soccer. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is not the youngest, at least not in this brand of soccer. You're talking 22 is young, and you're talking 28 is old, which is a shame. 28 is usually the prime of somebody. At least baseball, you've got another 10 years left of your career. Soccer wears you down, though. 28 is not an old age. Even when you get to 30, everyone's like, whoa. Chelsea basically has an unwritten policy that they only sign players to one-year deals after they turn 30. What kind of rule is that? Yet they they re-signed... As Piliqueta, and they just picked up Tiago Silva on guess what? A one-year deal. He's 36 years old. Him and Kurt Zuma before the festive period were the best defensive duo in the league. There's just a different level of understanding with younger managers. So, yeah, Frank might not have the experience. It's his second year managing Chelsea, his third year managing overall. But this is what he's here to do is to work out those kinks. I kind of hoped that Chelsea weren't going to be weren't going to be challenging for the title this year. As much as I hate really to say it, it, it like it's almost better for this to be happening because now next year they then next year they will be title contenders because Frank will have been in these situations before. He'll know how to handle a tough run of form because of this. You think that now. He's saying that Timo's playing, doing well in training, that Kai is as well. He's going to know how to deal with it next year. It sure is frustrating watching the games when, when they aren't playing particularly bad, yet just not carving out the chances. It is frustrating. But I, I, is it going to be worth it next year is the question. But Chelsea, I thought that they would have done so much better this tra- this this festive period 
They only won four out of a possible 15 points. They won a game, and they tied a game. The other three, they lost. Arsenal, on the other hand, as I said it, they've won seven points more than Chelsea. They won their last three games of the festive period and tied one more game. They only lost once. And that was their first game of the festive period. They were set, they've won seven points now. Seven points more than Chelsea. They won 11 out of a possible 15 points over the festive period. Chelsea won four. Shows you what one game does. Shows you what one guy does. The young front, the the young attacking midfield of Arsenal in that game consisted of Martinelli, Smith Rowe, and Saka across from left to right. Bukayo Saka has looked great in his last few games. It just shows you what one game, one goal can do. Whether or not Bukayo Saka, he, the second goal of the Arsenal match, was scored from the right hand side by Bukayo Saka, it looked like it was an overhit cross, and it just fell in the net. From from the diagonal part. It was a diagonal ball in. I personally thought he meant it. He'll say he meant it. Not many people say he will. I think he meant it. He has been, he's looked like one of the bra- he's 19 years old, looked one of the brightest, best players over the last three games. Now Timo has scored. He's found his touch again. Kai has scored. He scored a header. Scored. You don't see that much from Young dudes like that. He got in the area and he climbed. It was a towering header. It was a great goal. Great service as well. Perhaps it's something like that that might get the ball rolling for Chelsea. Now Kai might have just found his confidence. Timo might have found his confidence. But it's just crucial that they that they do not take it, that they don't take this game coming up for granted as well. Because Everton has proved that they are here for the ride. Southampton has proved it. Villa has proved it. Villa put up a fight against Chelsea on the 28th. And I personally think that Villa should have won it. Villa were the better team. Grealish, probably maybe one of the best, if not the best player in the league this season. Grealish was handled mostly well, mostly but that just that one lapse of concentration found El Ghazi alone in the box, and that's it. And now you'd think that a, that a team like Chelsea would be able to respond. That's a main thing. Is there's no response from goals. At least it's a it's a limited response because Chelsea are very good at hanging around late in games. They'll they'll find they'll find a result in that West Ham game. That unconvincing win they scored. Two of those goals in the last 10 minutes. They're very, very good at hanging around late in games, but not against Villa, and not, not as of late they have not been. So this, this festive period really said a lot. I was totally right when I said that United were going to be title contenders if they did win their games, which I thought they were going to. Tough games, too. They tied that game against Leicester, but that's it. Tough game against Aston Villa. They won. Tough game against Wolves. They just they they just stuck it out against Sheffield. Scary game, but they did. I mean, and against one of the most unpredictable sides in the league, Leeds in Leeds, Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds. They smashed six past Leeds. What are you crazy? That's when everyone said it. 
that's when everyone was like, yeah, these guys are title contenders. And now they're riding that wave. Why has it taken everyone so long, in my opinion? Why? I mean, I've never hated Manchester United. I have always respected them. I mean, they are looking they are looking like the best team in the league right now. Form-wise, they are. But they are looking like they're looking like something that we used to see under uh, under Sir Alex Ferguson. Solskjaer, whatever he's done, he's done it well. And I've been saying, maybe not on the podcast, I haven't been saying it, but I've said it in discussions. I've said, give the man time. Because he hasn't even gotten like the, the, the headline breaker. He hasn't gotten like a Sancho-like name. As Bruno, of course, would be considered their, their biggest transfer in a long time. But wouldn't you think, I would think that Sancho would make this team complete. If they got Sancho, I'd be like, yeah, I would have said from the outset that these guys would be able to challenge for the title. I didn't think so at the beginning of the year. But when I had seen that stat that United didn't, hadn't lost since, um, since November 1st, I was like, huh. That caught my attention. I put out my episode four after the 6-2 win for Manchester United, and I thought, dang it, everyone's going everyone's gonna to be like, well, yeah, you think they're title contenders because they smashed six. I believed it before that. I believed United had been title contenders before that because they hadn't lost in a month and a half. Here they are now, two months later, two and a half months later, still having lost none. Rashford, Cavani, Bruno, Bruno especially. I mean, Bruno's, again, there's not enough to say about him. But that hot take was, I mean, obviously people were listening up there because because they listened and I'm I'm couldn't be more correct and I'm very proud of myself that I that I couldn't be too much too much more correct because at the same time Manchester United won 13 out of a possible 15 points in this festive period Chelsea only won four boys men simple as that and you've got teams that you wouldn't think are in the title race would would be in the discussion for the title race or at least the top four race. You've got Southampton, Everton, and Villa all in there. Already in front. All, that, is, that is just below Chelsea. Above them are the other top four teams. Are Liverpool, top five if you would like. Liverpool, United, Leicester, Spurs, and City. All in that order. Then Southampton, Everton, and Villa. Then Chelsea. So it's, it's now it's crunch time because this, as I said, this transfer window would say a lot about the teams playing in it and it would say a lot about the league. This what it says is this league is for real. This league is for real. Everton are just sitting a win off of third place. I think they're better than that too. As long as Ancelotti keeps getting the best out of players like Calvert-Lewin and all, all, all those guys, they're going to be up there challenging after this season too. And a normal season, any Ancelotti-led team 
is going to exceed expectations <laughs> unless it's Liverpool and they're ex- expected to win the title. Then, then the expectations are going to be I mean, heaped onto them times 10, but Everton, I mean, you would, you would, you would speculate that Southampton and Villa would return. At least what I'm speculating is that they would return to earth with a bump after this season, maybe sitting a little bit lower, maybe sitting around mid table. I think Everton are going to be challenging after this season. This has been a turning point for them this season with Ancelotti now coming in, getting the best out of Calvert-Lewin, getting the best out of James, getting the best out of Awobi, all those players. We know we're going to be seeing Leicester up there. It could, be, it could become a big seven. It had been usually, traditionally before maybe the year that Leicester had won the title, it was always considered to be the big six in Everton. Why not, why not include them? Why? Because they always finish seventh. It was always United, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Liverpool. That's the always the top five. I'm forgetting one in there. I'll do it again. It's United City, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. I was forgetting Spurs. And then Everton. But now, now you might have to throw Leicester into that. And you won't have to say it's the big six and Everton and Leicester. It's the big seven now. Just because they're called the big six, of course, because they're the ones getting into Europe and winning Europe all the time. Why not consider Leicester now? They've won an English title. They got to the quarterfinals. Lost. It took them. It took Juventus to take them down in 2016-17. Now they're up there with Rodgers. Big six team. I think it is. And imagine if Arsenal can get back up to where they are supposed to be big eight. What? What? Before this season, I thought that that La Liga in Spain was the most competitive competitive league in the world. Of course, with Barcelona and Madrid are going to be the ones always winning the title, but they've, they've got Atletico in there. Sevilla always qualified. And then there are other teams. There's there's um there's Via Real this season. It's uh, it's Sociedad. So many teams in La Liga. Alaves last year. Boom 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 boom. Up and down it goes every year. But the title race isn't the one that's the closest. So that's why. And it's it's Barcelona and Madrid that take the headlines, unfortunately. But now, 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 the most competitive league in the world is the Premier League. Because look at this. It took five games for Manchester United to go from eighth to second. They basically won out over this this window. They could not have done much better. It's a big ask for them to win that game against Leicester because Leicester showed up that game too. It was a fair result. But now, you would think the Premier League is the most competitive in the world if you didn't think so already. It's been a low-key episode today. I'm just sitting deep in thought. Not so much animation as opposed to as opposed to the last episode. Take a quick break here before I get into my next hot take. Of course, staying soccer-related, hot take on the pitch is up next. And just a quick 
little hot take for you on the pitch. It's a rather simple one, just like the last time. I said that my my hopes, it's pretty obvious, even though I'm not a Manchester United fan, that my hopes are and my um my aspirations for them are pretty high. And I the, my hot take this week is that is that if Liverpool is not winning the league this year, the only other team that will win it and challenge them for it is Manchester United. Their players are just oozing confidence from the likes of Bruno Fernandes and things like that. His confidence and his class on the ball is just absolutely contagious. And of course, Liverpool are the team to beat. They're the reigning champs, of course. And um, they're st- they still have quite a few players to be getting back to full fitness. They've got their new sign- new- newer signing, Thiago Alcantara, back from injury. But their front line has just not been firing as of late the way that, they're, that they did in their title-winning season. Mane has been missing. Salah has been missing. Whereas for United, the, the goals are coming from everywhere. They're coming from the midfield, from McTominay, from Rashford, from Martial, all being assisted by Fernandez or Bruno himself even scoring. So... This seems like a more complete team and a team that is a lot more in form right now is Manchester United. They're definitely quite happy to be taking on anybody at the moment. So that is a nice and quick hot take as I um as I took up most of the time on the actual meat of the <clears throat> excuse me on the meat of the podcast in the middle talking about the actual season. So that is all for episode number 5 of the pitch numero 5 es finito. Episode six will be coming at you soon. I promise all you baseball fans out there, baseball will be back in episode number six. We will detail all of the biggest moves that have been made over the past few weeks. Once again, my name is Michael Kirsten. That is Michael with a Y. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope the start to the new year has been a happy and a healthy one. Stay tuned for episode number six. See you guys later. Bye.